I believe with all of my heart that God is doing that right now for somebody. He says, I'm making a way. And it's not the song, God will make a way where there seems to be no way. He works in ways we cannot see. It's not that song. I thought about that song, but that's not what God's saying today. He's not going to make a way. I'm telling you right now, he's already made a way. It's being done. It's accomplished already for you and I. It's not something in the future. You need to get this in your heart. God is making a way right now. He made a way. He already made a way for you. The Bible says that he opened up a new and living way for you and I through the curtain. You may say, Pastor, I'm at a dead end. I don't know where to turn. And I don't see any way out of this problems. You may say, I'm in a desert. I'm facing bankruptcy. My family is falling apart. Well, friend, don't stay in that desert. Trust in the Lord and keep moving in faith. Because he said he'll make a way. Author George MacDonald writes this. He says, I think faith can never have a greater victory than it will trust even in the midst of darkness and doubt and temptation. What a great definition of victorious faith. Faith in our victorious God who's never lost a battle. Faith in our glorious God who's never lost control. The truth is, God's will for us isn't nullified by our sufferings. It's not nullified by our dead ends. It doesn't even end at the grave. Our hope rests in the promises that our lives will stretch far beyond these few moments on earth into an eternity of heavenly joy and satisfaction. Proverbs 4.18 says this. It says that the path of the righteous is like the morning sun shining ever brighter till the full light of day. Listen to me. There's one day when you will stand in the light of eternity and you'll be able to look back and see the big picture. You'll see God's purposes behind the specific path that he chose for you. Have you ever had those times when you were kind of mad at somebody, maybe mad at your family member or mad at your boss or mad at your spouse or mad at God because of the things that they were doing and you wanted them to do it a certain way? Then you came to a point where you could look back and you could see, oh, that's why you did it that way. And you feel almost embarrassed or ashamed to even say anything. Maybe you were going to speak up and give somebody a piece of your mind. And you didn't, and you found out that they had a bigger plan than what you could see. They were doing something much better for you than what you understood. And that's the way God is. There's a time in which we'll stand back and we'll see the path that God has chosen for us. You don't have that luxury today. Do you hear me? You don't have that luxury to be able to see the whole big picture So by faith, we follow the directives of Proverbs chapter 3, when it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to Him, and He will make your path straight. If you don't get anything else, I want you to get this. Will His word be enough for you? Will His promise to you leave you satisfied? If God says, I'm making a way, will you love Him and trust Him enough That you believe his character more than you believe the experiences you see with your eyes. Because if not, what I see, my experience, becomes my God. 
because what I see is bigger and more trustworthy than the word of God. I don't want to ever let that happen. I want to be able to say with God, because that's what he's looking for. He's looking for someone who will simply believe his promises. That's why he was able to entrust Abraham. The Bible says that Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And so when God gives you a promise, will you just be satisfied with that, knowing that you can take him at his word? That when he says it, that you're just like, Well, God said it, that ends it, that does it, it's done, it's finished. I know I'm going to see it come to pass. I have full assurance of that. Isaiah 43, for me, has always been a very special portion of Scripture. It goes back to some of the Scriptures that my mom spoke to me, even as a child. Isaiah 43 says, that, starting at earlier in verse 1, it says, But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, O Jacob... He who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you, or I have called you by name. You are mine. That was the verse that my mom always spoke over me. Fear not, the Lord said, because I have called you by name. You are mine. Now listen to what he says. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you'll not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave Egypt for your ransom, Cush and Seba in your sed. Since you are precious and honored in my sight, and because I love you, I will give men in exchange for you, and people in exchange for your life. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bring your children from the east and gather them from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the end of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, who I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Now I want you to notice some of the things that God says about his chosen people, Israel. These same truths apply to us who are adopted into his family under the new covenant. I wrote this little note down. If God loved those whom he simply chose, he just said, I chose you, Israel. I chose you. I, I loved you. I, I, just, I just chose you. I, I want you to think about the investment that he had in us whenever he sent his son Jesus to die upon the cross for us. I might like you and I might choose you. I like that Dan. I like that Dan. That Dan's a good guy. But if my son died so that Dan would live, I would have a very big vested purpose in his life. I would want him to be successful. I want him to be prospered. If my son gave his life so that Dan could live, I would want the best in the world for him. There would be a deep investment. And that's how God feels about you and I. You see, he's redeemed you. This is what the Bible says. It says that he created you, that he formed you, that he has redeemed you, that he has called you by name. He said, you are mine. He says that he'll be with you when you pass through the waters and through the fire. And neither the water nor the fire will harm you. God identifies himself in an intimate and personal way as the Lord your God. He's the Lord your God. He's the Holy One of Israel. He identifies himself as your Savior. He says that you are precious and that you are honored in his sight. 
And because he loves you, he will give men in exchange for you. Wait a minute, Lord, why would you do that? That's what he said. He said, I'll give men in exchange for you and people in your stead. He says, don't be afraid because he's with you. He promises restoration, the bringing back of Israel's sons and daughters. And he says this, he says that you were created for his glory. As he's speaking this over Israel, he speaks those very same words over you and over me. We were created for his glory. Titus chapter 3 says, But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. Why is God making a way for you? Because of his mercy. Because he is good. I wish across this sanctuary that you just take 15 seconds and just tell him how good he is. You see, because he's the one who created you. He's the one who chose you. He's redeemed you. He's good. He forgave you. He's protected you. He's promoted you. He's provided for you. He's healed for you. He is good and he deserves our praise and our thanks. He deserves us to trust in him. Now, verse 15, he says, I'm the Lord. Notice what he says. Your holy one. Israel's creator and your king. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea and a path through the mighty waters, who drew out all the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and there they lay never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. Now, they were reminded of what God had done before. He said, I'm the same God who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters. And we've talked about that last Sunday. I was thinking how incredible it would be to make a path through the water. Because sometimes God can do something and he just does it. And there's other times where you're like, yeah, well, I can believe that God could just do it. But then there's times where God has to sustain things. He sustains things by his mighty power, by his word, okay? He sustains things. And we think about how incredible it would be for God to make a path through the water. Because as soon as you made the path, water would be wanting to come back in, right? But he made a way through the waters. He made a path. I was thinking how incredible that God would have to sustain that. The Bible says that not only he made a path for them, but he maintained it. That they went through on dry ground. But when their enemies tried to follow them, the path of deliverance for Israel was transformed into a path of destruction for their enemies. It was the same path. For some, it led to life. For their enemies, it led to death. God said, I'm going to make a way for you, and it's going to provide a way of escape for you. When you go through it, I'm going to use it again. That same path that I made as a way of deliverance for you is going to be the way I'm going to destroy your enemies who stand against you. Isn't that an incredible thing? What a glorious God we serve. He can make a way through the desert and he can cause streams to rise through the wilderness and streams to rise in the desert. Living in New Holland, we don't think about that. We think it's a big deal around here. If you drive for five miles and don't see a gas station, we're like, what? There's no gas station around here. We're talking hundreds of miles through the desert with nothing to drink. 
If you've ever been out west, you've got to fill up your gas tank and you've got to make sure that your tank is full when you travel in certain areas and you're riding in a car with air conditioning at maybe 85 miles an hour. I don't know. You're driving down the highway. We think it's a big deal to travel across a state in an air-conditioned car that's full of gas. God said, I'm making a way through things. The desert was an impossibility. How would we ever get through this? And God says he's making a way for them. He can split the sea. The God that we serve who's making a way can move the mountain or any barrier that stands before you and allow you to walk through on dry ground. The God that we serve can conquer any giant. He can close the mouth of lions. He can open prison doors. The God that we serve, he routinely multiplies the loaves and the fishes to feed his people with food left over. He will walk with you in the midst of the fire. He's the God who not only heals the sick, but he anoints you. And he says, I give you the same power that rested upon me, dwells inside of me. And greater things than these shall you do. If I go to the Father, not only can he heal the sick, he says he's put an anointing upon your life that you'll do greater things than you've seen Jesus do. He raised the dead. He can speak to the storms, to the winds and the waves. The disciples wondered, who is this person that even the winds and the waves obey him? Friend, he is the God of miracles and he never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he's fighting for you today. Look to the person next to you and say, he's fighting for me today. God is on your side, friend. I want you to hear that. God is on your side. God is for you. God is supporting you. He's upholding you by his power, by his mighty hand. I don't know who this is. Someone here is dealing with some enemies. I don't usually talk about enemies. I just don't. But the Bible says in Proverbs 16, 7, when a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, he makes even his enemies live at peace with him. Deuteronomy 28, 7 says, the Lord will grant that the enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you. They will come at you from one direction, but flee from you in seven. God will either cause them to be at peace with you He will cause them to flee from you or he'll just wipe them out. Really, it's a matter of what their attitude is. There's some people you're you're fighting some battles. The Lord wants you to hear he's making a way for you. Think about enemies. Well, well, why would I have enemies? Who would have enemies? What did I do to cause enemies? There's sometimes that Satan influences people to rise up against the man or the woman of God. They just come against you for no reason. You haven't done anything. You don't deserve it. But God says to you that if they come against you, that he will either make them be at peace with you, that he will cause them to flee from you in seven directions, or he'll do like he did here in Exodus, and he'll just wipe them out, and you'll not see them again. A lot of pastors could tell you some stories of how God has delivered them. A lot of folks who are in ministry, you know, we've had a wonderful time. But I'm going to tell you what, I don't ever want to do anything to a man or a woman of God. Someone who has God's anointing on their life, that's you and me. All of us have God's anointing on our lives. But God says he'll fight for you. He says he'll defend you. Today he's just saying to you, he'll make a way for you. There's some more we want to get into here just quickly. After recounting the amazing deliverance that God had provided for Israel, what's the next verse say? Let's go back there. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea 
a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the horses and chariots, the army, the reinforcements together, and they lay there, never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. That's what God does to the enemies of God. He snuffed them out like a wick. He says, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. Wait a minute. I always thought whenever he said, forget the former things, that he meant all of our mistakes. I thought he meant all the times we screwed up. I thought he meant, forget, oh, well, you didn't do as good last time. You had a setback. You had a failure. That's not what he's saying to forget. If you look the verse right before, he is talking about a glorious victory that God brought to them. They walked through on dry ground. It was an impossible situation. God destroyed their enemies. It was totally impossible. And God brought a glorious victory to them. And then God says to them, as soon as he reminds them about it, then he says to them, now forget about that. Do you see that? I had never seen that before. I always thought he meant forget about your failures, forget about your mistakes, forget about the times you didn't follow through. That's not what he's saying. If you look right back, he tells them about the great victories that they had, and he says forget about it. Why? Because I'm doing something new in your life. Oh man, somebody ought to get excited about that. Listen to me. The best victory God ever brought in your life. He says to you, forget about it. What? The greatest thing. We can tell our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren. We can just stand back and every time we think about it, tears could run down our face when we think about how God provided and how he broke through. And he says to you, forget about it. What? I'm telling you, that's what he said right there in the scripture. If you don't believe me, look back at it. I was thinking back to the early days of the church here when we came. I was thinking how God provided for us. I remember when we had 38 people on a Sunday morning, I was like, oh, honey, I don't know. I think we're in revival. Oh, God. I mean, I wanted to speak in tongues. Honey, we hit 38 today. Oh, praise the Lord. It was a great day. Can I tell you, 38 people was a great day. Can I tell you, being able to pay the mortgage some weeks, being able to get a paycheck, it was a good day. Oh, thank you, Jesus. We'd look at the attendance in the offering, and we'd say, oh, thank you, Jesus. We can pay the electric bill. Our church, I told you this before, our church was the BYOTP church. Bring your own toilet paper. And if someone didn't bring it, we didn't have it. I'm just telling you the truth. We were BYOTP. Thank God for Shirley. Shirley would pick up toilet paper and bring and make sure that there was toilet paper in the church. I'm not being funny. I praised God for the toilet paper. I thank God for the toilet paper. I remember when the, there was no music. We didn't have any music. It was me and Lori. Lori, she, like she can chord and I can hit like a note on the bass and then try to figure where the next one was. We had no music. People don't want to go to church where there's no music. We didn't hardly have any kids. There was no nursery. I remember whenever the Lord, we started to be able to have some of those things. I remember the roof leaking all the time. I don't know how we're ever going to. Frank, I was thinking about you the other day. The very first project we did here, Frank came and where Karen's office is, Frank put a window in there. The whole building, listen to me. You were walking in darkness when you'd walk down the hall. The doors to the bathroom were solid. 
There was not a window in that side of the building. And so you were just literally walking in darkness. Those who were walking in darkness. Whenever Frank put that window in, it was, we've seen a great light. It was amazing. It was one window. Frank took a Saturday and came and, and did that. And I remember thanking God so much for that one window. I look back and see how God has provided for his church. I'm saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you, we got Pastor Joe. Thank you, we got Jacinda. Thank you, we got Crystal. I did the bulletin. The bulletin wasn't that good. We had a junky copier. I remember when we got a copier, actually. And, you know, you just stop and thank God. Oh, God, it's a miracle. We got to use copier. Oh, thank you, Jesus. We got to use this. Oh, thank you, Jesus. It's okay to look back. But I declare to you today that God says to you, quit looking back. Forget about those things that were miracles in your past because he says, I'm doing a new thing. I'm doing something new in your life. Now, he, notice what he says. He says, now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. The thing that God is going to do now will outshine what he did in the past to the point that will be forgotten in comparison. But Lord, the BYOTP days, those were good days. Can I say this to you? That God is making a way for you right now. Right now. I'm not even going to pray for you. I've told you the word of God. God said he's making a way for you now. So why don't you guys just go? God bless you. We're done.